Hey everyone, it is James and Shanif from DeFized. How's everyone Hello. doing today? Really, thank you, Shanif. Really appreciate uh, everyone bearing with us. I know last week uh, we didn't have a podcast or so a week behind. That is on me. I had some traveling, nightmarish travels. So then I uh, actually slept through <laughs> the one that we had uh, on Saturdays. But, you know, really appreciate everyone joining today. Definitely make sure to describe or subscribe on Apple. Uh, as well as Spotify, as well as make sure you subscribe to our newsletter as we head into the holiday season. Definitely want to start pumping out some more content, getting you the information that you need. Um, and this is the episode that we have today is is an exciting one. Um, might be a refresher for a lot of folks, but there's definitely some aspects of it that you know we needed to make sure that we covered because ultimately uh, these are as much as we you know this is the infrastructure to help I guess manage. Um, your crypto investments and get involved. So today we're going to be talking about a lot of the tools that we like to use. Um, and, you know, I'm excited about one aspect of this because I was like picking Shanif's brain on miners um, because he has uh, gone through that process before. But, you know, today uh, we're going to talk about exchanges, wallets, you know, different services you can use to swap tokens, um, you know, how we manage our own crypto transactions. As we know, it's a, uh, a tax nightmare. Uh, and then, you know, lastly, miners, where uh, Shanif is definitely the expert there. But to kick it off, Shanif, uh, you know, yes, sir. I know you I know you use Coinbase quite a bit. I've used Coinbase in the past, but if I remember correctly, you use GDAX, and that's why you use yeah. Coinbase, bro. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess so, we, you should probably start out telling everyone what GDAX is. <laughs> I will. I will. So, yeah, like James said, we're going to start off talking about exchanges today. Um, GDAX, GDAX was the old name for Coinbase Pro. Uh, so most of you guys are probably using Coinbase.com, which is a great interface, the OG. Um, when they first started, you were able to actually get away with, uh, they had a separate tool for like what they would call professional traders. And on that tool, if you use them in a specific way, you can get away without paying fees. Whereas everybody else would have to pay fees on Coinbase.com. So I actually got used to using GDAX, which is now called Coinbase Pro. Um, the way you could do it before was that you could post your orders with a limit. And if those orders were get, would get filled, they would basically allow you to make the transaction without a fee. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Basically, just a way for you to facilitate trading in the early days when there might have been less volume. So, I personally use Coinbase Pro. I think you can, I think you can still get lower fees on them than you can on Coinbase, but uh, I'm not 100% sure anymore. So, don't quote me on that. It's a little intimidating. It's like a dark interface with a crazy bunch of lines and charts going up and down. But uh, once you get used to it, it's not too bad. Uh, you ever use it, James, on your side? I was about to say, I, I wish I had that chart of all the technicals where you can't make see anything out and just pop that on the screen for everyone to see. <laughs> uh, we've hit the bottom, but we've also hit the top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yes, I use Coinbase Pro. I actually started out using Coinbase. I uh, started using Coinbase Pro. The fees, uh, it really depends. You know, if, if you're making a big transaction, it, it comes down to uh, commission. So very similar to, you know, broker in a way that you pay a commission, um, unlike Coinbase regular, where it's kind of the uh, the Robin Hood model where you place a trade, you get what's back, yep. the difference, <laughs> the price difference is whatever, you know, the actual fee that Coinbase is taking from it. But um, again, free trading, uh, we're passing it along to them. But it, it, I had a call or someone I know recently 
um, mentioned that they paid, you know, quite a bit buying Bitcoin uh, on Coinbase Pro. And if you think about it, once you, if you buy it on Coinbase Pro and you want to hold it somewhere else and you have to pay on the transaction, to send yeah. it out, all these different things. So it does get expensive after a while. And, and I don't know about you. Do you, when you buy something on Coinbase Pro, do you leave it in Coinbase or do you move it to a wallet? Yeah, it's funny. We were actually talking about this right before the show. I try to keep about 25 to 30% on the exchange and then maybe 25 to 30% on one of my software wallets, which I'll talk about in a second, Exodus. I started looking into putting some of the rest of it into hardware, but I use mostly software wallets. So I will keep a lot of it on the exchange, maybe even more than 30%, because you're right. Like it takes, it's, there's a fee anytime you get it off and I don't want to pay that fee. So I, either do I. And you know, and, and I think the major reason why everyone started moving their, you know, Bitcoin off the exchange was the whole, and I'm probably pronouncing the name incorrectly, but the Mongo incident where yep. the exchange got hacked. But was it Mongo or Mongox? I always said Mongox. I don't really I don't know. know. I just didn't want to sound, uh, <laughs> I knew it was going to say it incorrectly. No yeah, but we all know what we're talking about. They got yep. hacked, yep. they lost money. Uh, yep. A lot of people lost money, and that was actually responsible for one of the Bitcoin crashes, I'm pretty sure, uh, back in the so. day. Uh, but after that, everyone's like, oh, you never keep it on the exchange. But then I'm thinking about yeah. it. If Coinbase gets hacked, there's a lot of things like that's a problem because now they're a public company. Like it's just not possible anymore for that to happen. That's like someone going into JP Morgan and hacking a bunch of their consumer banks where, you know, actually put up a pretty, pretty nice print. I was just reading a tweet. They actually, if uh, Coinbase had 5.7 billion in revenue, about like 2.4 of it is profit, which is wild. Insane. Wow. Insane. I, because they really haven't been around for that long as well. Yeah. But, uh, they blew up. I know also Coinbase now has, I think, insurance in case they get hacked. They do have, wow. I believe, insurance to cover the, the, the any sort of kind of funds that have been stolen from their customers. Now, don't quote me on that either, but I think I remember reading that. And they've also got some interesting things when it comes to cold cold storage for those of you. You know what that is? Yeah. So they've I, I, I'm like, I, I know what it is by concept. I've just, uh, I'm not at the, the stages of my AUM where cold storage is something I have to think about yet. <laughs> some people are just like, some people are, are uh, Bitcoin purists or crypto purists where they're like, I just want, cold, even if they have like a hundred bucks, like, in crypto, it's just like I'm putting it in cold storage. No one's going to be able to take it. You're going to have to give me like this is my money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I have never put anything in cold storage. I've thought about it, similar to hardware wallets, but you know, I like Coinbase. I, I they're the they're kind of the OG. They're the big gorilla in the room. Obviously, uh, we all know about them. Yeah, I feel like I, I imagine most exchanges at this point have uh, most of the over. Uh, the big exchanges have a lot yeah. in cold storage, like Kraken, Binance. Like, sure. I just, I hope so. If they don't, that's probably something we should look into. Um, but, you know, we'll save that for another day. So uh, quickly wanted to cover. So so the one difference, and, and for everyone listening, and so Coinbase is a centralized exchange. And what that means is that, you know, you need to send fiat to Coinbase. You can also send other cryptocurrencies. Uh, but ultimately, it is a, you know, way to get, you know, assets from the, the centralized world that we live in today. Uh, to the decentralized metaverse, as the folks will call it in the world of cryptocurrency. So, you know, it's 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 interesting because there's still, at least my knowledge, no way to go directly from asset to decentralized. Um, you have I to do something right. along those ways. Yeah. But we're going to talk about, uh, so before I get to the topic that I'm actually pretty excited about, and I completely forgot to mention <laughs> to you before the call, um, before we jumped on, but so so this is different. This is a difference from PancakeSwap and Uniswap, which you've talked about in the past. They're decentralized exchanges. 
So they allow for decentralized trading. Um, they're driven by automated market makers and algorithms uh, because in the beginning, Coinbase handles uh, matching supply and demand, um, and they also are able to hold assets uh, in inventory. The thing about automated market managers and crypto is there wasn't you know, enough volume to ultimately satisfy uh, you know, really just even justifying having an exchange because there wasn't enough trading volume to ultimately keep stable prices and, and small. When there's not enough trading volume, there's huge swings in prices. Uh, so, you know, ultimately, they're just algorithms that, you know, connect from liquidity pools, users are incentivized to put money into it, they reserve yield. So ultimately, they're this, uh, they're a bank, or let's just say they're a broker, uh, and uh, just an exchange, um, that's just driven by the community, pretty much, and everyone benefits from it. Um, so they're very different in nature. Uh, you know, the cool altcoins that people are talking about, you can't really get those on centralized exchanges, because um, they're... There's more too things cool. that you, there's too, too, cool. too cool for it. Yeah, they didn't want to do all the paperwork and all the exactly. audits and all these different things. They just want to go right to market. So we'll say that those are the first movers, we'll call them. Um, so you, you can get a go ahead. I will say I just bought Mana on Coinbase, which I did not expect to be available. I was expecting them to go through Uniswap, but hey, yeah. that's how it goes. That's actually a really good point. So the, some of the big coins, like the big, and I guess that's one of the benefit of how mature the the ethereum ecosystem is as you could buy the erc tokens on, on coinbase i will say that coinbase sometimes cuts corners when adding a new coin and uh for example iotex i bought mm -hmm. uh which is the internet of things blockchain i bought it on coinbase mm -hmm. i come to find what i bought was actually an erc token that is <laughs> that is traded only on, Coin, or on Coinbase and some other exchanges. It isn't the actual cryptocurrency. You can go through this process to get the actual cryptocurrency, but you have it involves bridging, really? swapping, all these things, which I didn't expect. Because I was looking, I'm like, why did I just buy this coin? Because I was looking at a different app to see what the price is. Didn't even look yeah. at my exchange because I'm, I'm so used to everything being the same price, no matter what I look at. And yeah. little did I know, I bought it 10 cents higher than anything else because more people were buying it on Coinbase uh, eventually, like anything, it reverted back to the meme. That was a learning experience in and of itself. Um, but ultimately, uh, yes, yeah, so I wasn't even buying it. So Coinbase does that sometimes to provide exposure to certain assets, um, I guess, without actually having to like go through the full. I imagine integrating some of these blockchains isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world. So just yeah. creating a contract via an ERC token is easier. But in that case, you can move it to IOTEX. But that is one thing to point out as you're looking to buy something, especially smaller coins. Definitely take a look at where what the price is where you could buy, and ultimately they'll find a way to cheap it. Because you they're know, still we'll go ahead. Oh, sorry. Do you know if they're like somehow tracking their internal IOTEX coin to the actual IOTEX coin? Is there some sort of bridge? Do you know what they're doing? To, I, to I imagine what it is is they probably have a uh, like something some type of pool in Ethereum that allows like for as many tokens or, or just some type of pool in general where you're mm -hmm. able to it kind of allots a for the number that are available um on coinbase or whatever i did look it up and it wasn't that much of a process but it was a process that i didn't feel like going through to like because i wanted to stake it um but what end up so i imagine it's like kind of because i've seen this with other tokens as well like those that are like cross chain on ethereum and then binance is there's yeah. a pool on both that allow you to bridge between both chains and what happens it just comes out of the pool then you swap there go back um because that's uh, some a lot of meme to tokens do that actually. <laughs> well, you know, why? Why not? Why, 
why be on one chain when you can be on every chain? And it's actually, I, and I imagine yeah. that's probably fee benefits because if you start to lose users, if let's say it was a lower cost item on Ethereum, you want them over yep. to Binance where the, the fees are much less. Um, but that is something I did want to make sure I said is that sometimes uh, on these things are Coinbase, you'll see a, an ERC-20 token. And you know what I think it probably is, is they probably add the token via ERC first just to make sure there's like enough demand to go through like the full process. And I bet you they add it in later where, I don't know, they can, they can Possibly. provide everyone insight. I bet you it's in their very extensive product docs or I'm product sure. ads that we can dive through. Um, so that's the difference between decentralized, centralized. But so one of the, and this is where I wanted to get as one of the exchanges that I use or brokers is I use Voyager. Uh, Voyager is interesting. They want to be a broker for crypto. You actually can't swap. So you can't go B2C to ETH. Um, you got to go to cash and then go from there. The one benefit of Voyager and uh, the way that they make it's free trading, but there's a pretty, uh, pretty hefty difference between the bid and the ask price. It's like dollars in some instances, which is what it is. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's not a, it's not a trading platform. It's a buy and hold. But if you think about it is okay, there's a difference between the bid and the ask, but they pay interest on most big tokens. So I get 5.75% on my Bitcoin, which uh, I don't know where that's coming from, but <laughs> yeah. 5. How do they do that? It's, Crazy. I, I, I imagine it's probably some form of like leverage. Um, but yeah, so it's 5.75%. And this is a public Canadian company. So I feel comfortable with it to the point where I put right. my money in the exchange. I feel very confident that if some, like that they're doing everything that they need to do uh, it's like an ex-Uber executive and an ex-E-Trade executive that started it. So good team. Uh, and it's really, there's a lot of meme, or, or just a lot of altcoins in general. Um, so that's where ultimately the first place I was able to buy Polkadot. So that's where I started yeah, using it. Cool. Problem, you can't always send the tokens off. You can only hold them on Voyager. And they say, you know, we'll, uh, we'll add that capability later. I know why they don't do it is because Polkadot is a 28-day staking cycle. If they're paying out 12% every month, how are they going to be able to forecast or forecast when someone wants to withdraw? So yeah. it's easier yeah. just not support it and you keep getting paid 12% because I complained about it once. Like I can get paid more on Kraken. I want to say it was probably two weeks later. It was the same same price or the same uh, payout. Percent. So you know that's why I do it. Everything I have is income bearing. You'll see the interest in tokens. And it kind of is like, it's an easy way to make your money work for you without having to do anything. As well as you can't really stake BDC anywhere else. So 5.75% isn't bad at all. And this is without any lockups. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great for Bitcoin. I mean, I can imagine some of the smaller coins are probably paying a lot more as well, right? That on Voyager. So sounds like a good deal. Paying more is is actually Polkadot and Kusama are the only ones that are over 12%. Because it's ultimately, right. it's right. not feasible. Because what they're doing is they're aggregating the assets probably. Um, so like, let's say if they do one on Polkadot, maybe is they're going to just stake all that and they're going to be a validator on a lot of proof of stake networks. So, yeah. and that's the same thing I'd probably Binance does as well uh, with their new staking thing. So it's kind of like you get, you can opt out of it if you want, but who's going to opt out of receiving interest and right. still hold their right. assets? That makes zero sense. But I actually, so they have this new thing. So there's two new things that I'm really excited about Voyager for is uh, they got a debit card. So apparently you could do direct deposit. It pays you a 9% interest because USCC pays 9%. Um, but now back to what I said before, there's no way to go from you know, really fiat to decentralized in a way 
if they do direct deposit, USDC isn't exactly decentralized because I believe it's issued by Circle, but that's close enough. So in a way, you could start taking that and sending it around the metaverse instantly without having to wait for any ACH settling. That's in a perfect world. Who knows if that'll actually be what it is. But you know, since I've been a client for long enough, I'm on their, I guess, their first wave of debit card um, accounts. So I, uh, our question nice. ones, and it's a Mastercard cool. too. So, so I will get, I will come back to the community here with some more information there. What we may have found, and this is like one of my biggest pet peeves about investments in general, is that settlement period of ACH. So if I could take that yeah. USDC, move it yeah. over, sell it, move it to a wallet, you can get. Because you think about time, uh, time value money, you want that earning interest today, not tomorrow. Um, it kind of brings down that uh, that speed. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, they also have a rewards program, which is they have their own token, the Voyager token, and it has utility. It's to help compensate. They don't actually, they're, they, they act like a traditional broker, so they outsource it to other exchanges. They'll find the best rate for you, and then they, they compensate with their token. So kind of similar to FTX, uh, I guess, okay. in that capacity. Um, but if you own a certain amount, you hit like reward points on your on your rewards. So like <laughs> if you hold like five thousand coins, you get an extra one percent. It's crazy. But at the same time, like whatever. Like I bought it, Voyager token. I bought it. Yeah, I, yeah. But you were the one who was like, because I've owned it in the past. I bought it after Binance Coin. You know, did its whole you know oh. moonshot. Moon Not a bad time to buy it. Trust me. I look. I it, it. It's it's actually down just as much as. Uh, yeah, I remember. You get I it for better than I did. No, I remember telling you I wanted to buy Voyager. I decided not to because I thought you know it was on a bit of downward trend. I'm like, literally three yeah. days later, it was up forty percent. So yeah, I no, it, it topped out even more. It's up five twenty, but I would say it's a good entry Jeez. point now because I do okay. think that they I, they've had explosive user growth. The, they've they've grown users so much that like some the, the, for a while the app was unusable. Uh, just because it was always oh, wow. out, always overloaded, which isn't exactly something you want to see. Well, like I'm not trading. Uh, as long as you don't lose my ass, I don't really right. care. Like right. I, I, right. if I need to buy something like that second, I don't use Voyager. I, I use four exchanges. I use Voyager, Coinbase Pro, Kraken, and Binance. And really the reason is I just want to be able to buy stuff if I can. Yeah. It's not everything is available on each. Um, but the last one, Binance. So I know you had uh, some interesting stories on this one. Binance, you know, I got into that back in 2017 when I first got into crypto which is really like two years too late. Like I would, I'd known about Bitcoin since like 2014, 2015. And I was just like, what is this thing? Finally got convinced in 2017. But back in the day, Coinbase, if you remember, only offered Bitcoin and Ether and Litecoin. There are three coins on Coinbase. Litecoin. Uh, yeah, Litecoin. What a, what a coin, man. Um, <laughs> but um, Binance is like the Wild West. If you remember, it was, I think it's based in Hong Kong, is it? Or China? Yeah, and, Hong Kong. They don't really I think care. It, I, right? I don't know it if like, it was originally started in China, but I know I know it's in Hong Kong. But like technically, they have like this cent like they don't they're not really based out of anywhere. Okay, like a yeah, centralized like employee force yeah. or something like that. And like I had heard about a bunch of other coins at the time. Uh, I don't know, Omai's Go, Go, whatever. Like a bunch of stuff that I was like, let me let me dabble a little bit. The only place I could dabble was Binance, right? But their user interface back then and even today was just ridiculous. It was so Hard. overwhelming. Yeah, you don't even you don't know what's going on. You don't know if you're about to lose everything by clicking a button or buying like by a town in Hong Kong or something. It's crazy because it, it doesn't make any sense. I figured it out probably because I used Coinbase Pro and that was very helpful. Um, and then what was it like 2019? They were like, you can't use this if you're based in the U.S. Take your take your tokens out in the next two weeks, otherwise you lose access. 
Do you remember this? I, yes, it was because I don't, I think they were doing the, uh, it was after the whole IPO thing, like where the, the US government saw any ICO as an IPO, they need to regulate yeah. with securities exchanges. And I think it's because they had the Binance coin that they would ultimately have to go through that process because that's a asset that they raise and you know who the hell is going to do that. And that's that's what I was been saying is if if we don't become more crypto friendly, it's not like people are going to stop making it. They're just going to hop across the border and continue making it. And that's yeah. like that's actually that was part of this a lot of the senators in the most recent bill to ease the DeFi regulations. So like if we want to just kill a growing industry that's going to grow regardless. Let's do this. If not, let's probably fix a couple of things and just like work together. Um, but I'll say I, I know what I bought on uh, why I started using what, Binance. What did uh, what did you buy in Binance? V chain bet. V chain. I remember I, that. I, yeah. I am a I was, I already sold it, but I I was a long-term uh vet holder throughout Where the crypto really? winters. I think I bought in two thousand yeah, I bought in 2017, 2018. My friend was like, Oh, this is a real world news case, like supply chain. I was like, All right, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Goodbye. Back when we were back when we were all like, okay, let's try it. You know, I don't care. Let's just yeah. get a bunch of coins. Uh, even today, I'm sure a lot of people like that. I had it was it was definitely well. it was definitely worse back in 2017 where people were like, oh, yeah. that's interesting, cool, because no one knew anything. There was very few people that knew a lot, and yeah. it was just like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Now, like at least you can do some research and validate yeah. some things. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, think about buying all coins back when like the market cap of the crypto sector was below one trillion. <laughs> it was such a shit show. We and then I don't know if you remember on Binance, they would they would do these airdrops on these random coins that had nothing to do with you, but somehow linked to the coins you already had. So I would log into Binance after five months and have all of these like have a fraction of all of these like random altcoins that didn't make any sense. Um and, you know, Coinbase will do that sometimes, like when Bitcoin split into Bitcoin Cash, they give you the airdrops to Bitcoin Cash, but it was a big deal. And Binance, they don't announce it. They don't email you. They're just like, you know, put it into your account and you're good to go if you want them. And if not, who cares? Yeah, it goes um, solid. No one's going to say no to free money. Yeah. Uh, I, I doubt a lot of it material, like materialized into a lot, but it was, uh, but it's interesting. And, you know, the only reason I use Binance today is it's the only place to get BNB. Otherwise, and, and I think it's, I, again, I think I mentioned this last time, it's one of my favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, ecosystems to use for gaming because of the fee structure. So Ethereum is just not usable yeah. for gaming. And even then, you know, to get funds into Matic, you still have to go via Ethereum, yeah. if I remember correctly. There's fees involved no matter what you do. So yeah, that's so, just my two cents. You know, eventually, I think you probably have to do it. I have to do it. They send everyone in the, in the U.S. an email that said, hey, move your coins from Binance.com to uh, Binance.us. But the problem was they only supported like 10% of the coins on Binance.us that they had on Binance.com. So I had to use um, a change service, actually, which we'll talk mm -hmm. about later, to make sure that all the coins I couldn't use anything for, I had to just change them into coins I could. So, yeah. Well, it's but, actually a good segue because we can, you know, we could touch yeah, on wallets. Because in a way, this is a good intermediary between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to Shani's point, you know, Binance, uh, especially in the state of New York, uh, and I don't know if it's just New York State, it's all of New York, I guess. They're in, let's say, a crypto desert where there are very few services you can use and all the good ones where you can buy like the cool coins are not available. So you actually, it's, I remember we were talking about Polkadot forever. We were at yep. the point where you were saying, can I PayPal you money? Can you buy it? <laughs> and then just send me the coins. And then I was like, oh, well, I would do that, but Voyager doesn't let me <laughs> yeah, send the coins. So, so I was like, I'll take the money if you want. But, um, <laughs> and I but, owe uh, you. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so Shanif, and this is probably, this could quite possibly be why I know nothing about these services Possibly, because I've never really needed to use them. Um, yep. But, you know, how have you gone around this? I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in New York and it, it doesn't seem like they're making any changes anytime soon. Which is such a shame. But yeah, so for those of you, uh, for those of you who are in my situation where you are maybe unable to access certain coins, you can use one of these, what I call swap or change services. And that's what we're talking about now. Basically, what these let you do is, uh, and for the first, when I first used them, I was super sketched out, but they let you send money or coins, sorry, they let you send any coin to their system, they'll give you an address, and then they will do some magic and voodoo, and then they'll send you a new coin, a new type of token back. So you can send an Ether and get back Ripple, you could send in like Omizgo and get back Algorand, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff, and they have a really good support and coverage across a lot of the tokens that are out there. So James was mentioning, um, you know, you, I couldn't buy... I still don't think I can buy Polkadot on any of the exchanges in, in New York, but by using a change service like Change Now or SwapSpace, which is one I use a lot, and Change Lee with two L's for those of you who are interested, you're able to get access and exposure to the coins that you might not have been able to get access to before. Uh, I don't think these are decentralized, but I do think that they are run by really good companies who are going to be around for a while. And they provide a service that's really important, especially not for me, not just for me, but People in countries where maybe crypto is becoming harder to access, if you're able to get your hands on Ether or Bitcoin, you can turn that into other coins. And these services, again, Change Now, Swap Space, Changely are really good at facilitating a coin transaction. Now, they don't do every coin, and especially newer coins they're going to have a lot of trouble with. Uh, James, when we first started talking, I, I mentioned that I was pulling data from CoinGecko's API. There were about 6,000 coins during our first podcast, which was no more than six uh, six weeks ago. Today, there are 10,039. So within the span of five weeks, it's it's grown, you know, 50%. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that doesn't, that's kind of crap. So the chain services won't support that, but they're good for a lot of the bigger coins. It's interesting you mentioned that because I think there's it's it's not just that as well. I think a lot of times the the issues with like a lot of the tokens is you know if you let's say you use the Ethereum network once you create it if there are issues and you want to like upgrade you can. So I think a lot of times what a lot of these I've seen it a couple of times because it says new or old like on when I'm looking at it you know I think they migrate the contracts over to a new coin and I wonder if it still picks mm -hmm. up like that old one and then what you have to do is you have to send your old coin to the new contract you get the new coin I've seen it actually a couple times now um, normally when that's the case I probably shouldn't be buying it because why do you want to buy something that needs a new <laughs> all these issues but hey you know you uh scared money you don't make money is what they like to say but uh yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting is I was when we were doing our podcast on uh, smart contracts, I was mm -hmm. researching. And for those of you who are programmers, you know that generally when you write a piece of code, you can then change the code and redeploy it. But you can't do that on blockchains. Once it's done, once it's there, you can't change it. So the way you get around this on blockchains is you set up one sort of smart contract that acts as a forwarding service. And anytime you need to make a change to your code for your smart contract, you redeploy it to a brand new address on the blockchain and your original forwarding service is just updated to forward it to the new contract. I'm not sure if that's, I'm, I'm just describing it correctly, but it's exactly what you just mentioned, which is where you forward it and then the new address is it's called like deployers or something. Uh, I've, I've seen them because if you go to like a tokens address, 
or if you go like look in it and like like bs scan for example it does the same like the ethereum scan yeah you can actually see because you that's a cool thing about play to earn when it comes to games you can always see the rewards pool because it's it's at an address and you can track it and you know, there, a lot of times you'll see it, you know, people will split a lot of FUD, oh, the reward pool is going to get, but then you look at the yeah. rewards pool and it's like the same amount. And like sometimes, like, I wish there was a way to just permanently delete people from being able to ever communicate in crypto, like, currency <laughs> communities, yeah. because there's a lot of people that just sit there and um, they troll. And, you know, think about it, trolling is, it has its all saying fun, but I, I personally am not a fan of trolling when it like fine investments are around. That's why like stock Twitch yeah. was always tough for me to use because I was looking at and be yeah. like, well, one, there's two issues we might have. The issue is that we have a lot of trollers here, or is this actually the type of uh, people that are investing in the same company as me? And should I be considering another company? Because some of these questions are outrageous and, and things <laughs> yeah. like that. And, um, but, you know, one of the things in, in this is a little bit different, but uh, I don't know how much you know about, you know, uh, peer to peer trading. But I had a buddy that worked at Paxful for a while. And, he, you know, that aspect is huge. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned before is when cryptocurrency, you know, a lot of it's restricted. Apparently, a lot of these peer-to-peer transactions are huge in companies like uh, or mm. countries uh, like Nigeria, which I don't believe they have any exchange. Um, there's no way to get it, but they have a huge trading community and it's peer-to-peer. Uh, mm. Also, I think Turkey, since all this fiasco, people have been having to turn to peer-to-peer services. Um you know, I'm curious, uh, have you, have you had any experience with peer-to-peer? I've looked at it once because I wanted to get Ethereum, but like, the thing is, you, you could send people anything. You could send them like gift cards, ACH wires, but oh. what you're doing is you're paying an absurd premium. Like, I think it, uh, Ethereum is like 4,200 and someone was saying like they needed 4,800 to do the transaction or five grand. I was like, okay, like, I guess one, uh, I don't know why anyone would pay that much more unless you're trying to hide something, but like, I guess people use it or that's the only way they get access to it. I hope people charge less fees for people that are actually trying to get a store of value, like in countries you can't get Bitcoin, but it was one of the things I found interesting. Um, fascinating. I've never heard of this. So this is brand new to me. Yeah. Sounds like a podcast to me. That's what it does. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to Maybe cover we'll get someone, one. someone from Turkey or uh, somewhere else to join this, you know, maybe they know more. Uh, interesting. I, it's one of the things and you know the bitcoin atms are popping up everywhere i've seen a lot of people use them and it's yep. it's it's a lot of different places uh you know i think we were talking about the story i saw you know an elderly woman she was using the bitcoin atm i wasn't thinking to myself like why is she using the bitcoin atm you know not being an ageist but majority sure. of crypto users are not in their 80s and then i was thinking i was like oh it's a really good way to send money abroad and i lived in a very diverse neighborhood i was like okay this actually makes me feel really good inside. And the actual use case of crypto is be or and Bitcoin in particular is being utilized via these Bitcoin ATMs. And of course, I started looking up how I could buy a Bitcoin ATM right after that because I thought it'd be a great investment <laughs> decision. But That's but it was it was nice to see. And um, but kind of talking about you know changing gears a little bit, you know, you're ultimately able to get tokens, but you know, this is and uh the big thing is wallets and you know, back, and I think there, there's a lot of reasons why it's come into play is, you know, a big part about crypto is, you know, these are my assets, I own them. And, yeah. you know, you're not only holding cryptocurrencies, you're also holding NFTs, stuff for games, a lot of different things. But, um, you know, in, in the beginning days is people were very adverse to exchanges, right? I think we talked a little bit about before, which I understand, don't get me wrong, if I lost any money whatsoever, I would, I you know, I'd put my Bitcoin under my bed if I could. Um, via hardware wallet. But that said, you know, 
what, what are some, I, I know we actually use different wallets, you know, uh, yeah. what, she's used Exodus. This is the first time, you know, I've heard of Exodus. Uh, but you know, what are some of the things that you like about Exodus? And, and just so everyone knows, you need a wallet to be able yeah. to move crypto off an exchange. Pretty much. You can't just hold it anywhere. I don't think you can hold it. Can you just hold it on your computer as like a file? Is that even possible? Well, the way the way that all of these things work, whether it's a wallet or an exchange, is your crypto is associated with some address. That address has some sort of private, let's call it a private password, private key. As long as you know the private key, you can access the, the funds that are at your address, regardless of whether you're on the exchange or on a on a desert island or you know on a laptop, whatever it is. The thing that wallets do is they automatically and seamlessly match your private key to the public addresses that you use to store your funds. So their software, usually they're tools that let you easily send, you know, a, a coin or a token or whatever without having to un, you know, decrypt your, your public key address every time. So they care, they take care of a lot of the interactions. So short answer to your question, James, yeah, you can you can store funds anywhere that you are able to broadcast a message to the blockchain network that says, these are the funds I want to move. Here's my signed uh, my signed description that could only have been generated with my private key. As long as you've got your private key, you're good to go. So it's yeah. kind of the beauty of a blockchain. Uh, and, and, also, blockchain. and also some of the detriments of the people that have forgotten their key and yes. I mean, read articles about it all the time. I think there's some dude who put a, uh, his Bitcoin sitting on a USB drive in a dumpster in England or in, yeah. a, in a dump in England. And he offered, you know, in the most recent pomp, I think he offered like the government 20% if they let him go sift through the trash. Uh, wow. The thing is, is I, that's a really big thing because I'd probably sift through the trash as well. You know, that that's that's a lot of money. Like It was a lot uh, of money. It was a lot of money. That's 280 million at like 40K. It's probably more than that. Yeah, now. I feel bad for the guy. Um, yeah. Gosh, I feel bad. I mean, back then you never knew, right? Back then Bitcoin was yeah. less than a cent or something. So... Anything you you feel worse for uh, for him than the pizza guy because the pizza guy yeah. he just he used made a Bitcoin he used Bitcoin yeah. for its its city use people are like oh this will be used for payments eventually okay yeah. let me use it for payments little did everyone realize <laughs> yeah. when it comes to economics is that like there's a finite supply so that's that's going to be uh, the price of, that's an appreciating asset and you know paid for a very expensive pizza. For those of you who don't know, the pizza guy refers to somebody, he paid, correct me if I'm wrong, 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas oh, yes. back in the day. Yes. Yep. What I, a, that guy, what a he, story. That's, that's, I, I, don't, I can't blame him. I, can't, I mean, maybe you should have kept uh, yeah. some of that, but at the same time, you know, the, how do you the know? The thing is, that, if you paid for a pizza with 10,000 Bitcoin and didn't buy Bitcoin again within like, because like, that's the thing. who pays yeah. for something with Bitcoin and then doesn't goes, oh, you know what? That was a bad idea. Let me just put more money into Bitcoin because that ten thousand yeah. Bitcoin was probably worth like dollars. Like exactly, clear two exactly. pizzas, so it's probably assume like maybe you paid double. Yeah, 50 forty bucks. bucks, fifty bucks, something like that. So if you're, I wish I paid fifty bucks. And a, a year later, yeah, a year later, you're like, well, crap, that was worth like five thousand, not even like five hundred bucks. Now, okay, maybe I'll go replenish my supply because there's a trend here. So you're absolutely right. Like when you see that, you probably should go buy more. I was just thinking about something. We talk about the guy who paid for the pizza. We haven't talked about the pizza guy. That's is this true. Guy, we don't talk guy, about No one ever does. Is this guy just sitting on an island, just being like, that was like, 
I, was it was it like Domino? I, I need to know what pizza place. I need to find this guy, dude. What like, what if the pizza guy was the same USB guy that we just talked about? What if he got the <laughs> the payments for the pizza? I don't want anything. I don't want anything USB. to do with those Bitcoin tokens. That is literally that is cursed at that point. But that you know what? See, this is the thing: is people are always looking at the bad part of things. Think about the good. This pizza guy is probably true. hopefully he didn't sell. I it. hope. Yeah, I hope he's sitting somewhere on his private island. You know, enjoying pizza. With his you know, 10,000 10, Bitcoin. But if you this, hear this pizza guy, defies.com emails, I would love to talk to you because yes, that absolutely. Is, you are you're a living legend. And I realize that your side of the story isn't talked about at all. Dude, and pizza, yeah, you, pizza delivery guy, reach out. Where are you? Game changing. Like that is a life changing experience. And I just hope that you know what, you know what? I hope he lost the USB for like 10 years and then just found it all of a sudden you imagine that i wonder if people people could track that i wonder if it's the same address like it it should be it's all on the blockchain you just need the key to access it that's the hard part and so dude i lost i randomly found a couple of ether the other day i was like this is great you know i can't imagine finding ten thousand bitcoin and the reason i found it was because i was misaccounting for some of the trades I had made. Don't worry, IRS, I've taken care of it. But, you know, it's hard to keep track sometimes of all the transactions. Um, yeah, well, and, the, and- To the point, the book, you know, uh, sorry, just to finish off like the, the conversation on the wallets, like you can keep your Bitcoin anywhere. I use Ex- Exodus, which I think is a beautifully designed software wallet. It's just gorgeous. And it also keeps track of a lot of the coins that I own. It keeps track of my account balance over time. It also lets me stake within the wallet and it lets me earn interest within the wallet and swap. Now, unfortunately, they detect where your IP is coming from. So I can't swap when I'm using it in New York, but such is life. Um, that's what I've used. But you, you use MetaMask, Trust Wallet. You want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So, so Trust Wallet is, uh, it was originally like built around Binance. Like a lot of the Binance tokens are in it. You could stake Binance directly from it. So I, the UI for Trust Wallet is fantastic for mobile. Um, really good, has a good like explorer. And a lot of these wallets, and, and that's one thing we didn't talk about, also provide the ability to go into, uh, you know, you could access decentralized apps from them from their own browser. Um, yeah. So that's one thing that's interesting where instead of going to like, let's say, you know, you could still technically do it from Google Chrome, but it's best to do it there. So you can actually access a lot of them from mobile. And a lot of play to earn games are coming out mobile mm-hmm. first now. They're not coming out uh, for PC. Uh, which I thought was interesting because it was like the opposite in the beginning. Um, but yeah, so Trust Wallet has a lot of the same services as Exodus. Probably, I've heard better things about Exodus, but Trust Wallet allows you to stake a handful of coins. You can use the exchange and swap through tokens. Uh, I've never used it because there's always like some, a pretty sizable fee actually um, in a lot of cases. Uh, but uh, I use Trust Wallet for my BNB stuff. Actually, funny story about Trust Wallet, once the pandemic hit in 2020, I put all my Bitcoin on a trust wallet onto my phone because if the world was going to end, I wanted to have access to my funds. So I did put a doomsday fund on my uh, wow. on my trust wallet to be able to uh, to barter should the world come to an end. Why not? Uh, so why not? I didn't want to be on the other side and be like, okay, well, I don't have it. And it's sitting on some exchange and the world's ending. Uh, I wanted to be able to barter. But then if you think about it, the internet would probably go down at that point. I, I just, I hope someone keeps... I hope someone is just like, I will keep Bitcoin alive no matter what. And they're sitting in some like tunnel and, or some bomb shelter. But MetaMask <laughs> is probably, I would say, the most common. It has a good Chrome extension to use. Most people use it for PC. 
uh, it gets interesting, and this is, you know, Shneef had some issues adding the Binance network to it and then adding tokens, is all these wallets, uh, definitely not Meta, MetaMask is not user, it is user-friendly because it's simple, but it's also, there could be some catastrophic things like that. They're really no big issue, uh, but like you could, you have to add tokens to your wallet unless you don't see them, even though you have, you have access to them. They're just not available in your wallet. It's really weird. I've um, never seen that before using MetaMask. It was the weirdest sort of experience, yeah. but you know, you figure it out once and you're good to go. Yeah, and the funny, funny story is back back into you know losing some coins. I was uh, I was using Polkadots for the crowdfunding. They have their own wallet, Polkadot.js. Um, I thought I did the math in my head, did the math incorrectly, but they sweep all wallets with less than one coin, and like you can't get it back. And I did the math incorrectly, and I left like point like point eight or something, and I swept that. And I was thinking, I was like, ah, that sucks. But then I was like, well, at least it's could be worse. Could be. Can you imagine losing a ether? Point eight point eight Bitcoin is catastrophic. That, that's uh, a I huge deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh. I learned my lesson that? after that. Yeah, that's I uh, uh yeah, I'd be dumb surviving after that. So <laughs> yeah, so wallets are great. There's a lot of interesting ones and a lot of them are coming out with new functionality. But I think you know, in the future, and you actually see this with trust walls, you don't even have to stake certain coins anymore. They just automatically start staking for you once they hit the wallet. Mm. Um, but it ultimately comes down to what type of staking it is. And you can actually track some of these wallets. Like if you look at who the validators are, it's kind of interesting just to be That's able cool. to see it when you look at it, to know that, you know, they are doing that. And you imagine a wallet would be a good actor with your funds. Um, yeah. So you don't have to worry about slashing or anything like that. The only, the only time you really have to worry about slashing is if you just delegate your tokens to a random validator, which in this day and age, I don't know why anyone would really do that, but maybe some people do. Uh, uh, quickly, before we get to the most exciting part is, you know, and this is probably, uh, you know, ultimately crypto transaction tracking is an absolute nightmare. Shanif, I don't know how you do it. I gave up on that so long ago and I just hope for the best every year by like, because <laughs> uh, I use something called Coin Tracker, which I, I recommend it to you. I think you should use it. They had like native integrations with like all the, uh, okay. all the exchanges like Coinbase, they have one. Kraken, they don't have one at Voyager, but if you, it's also built that if you download your, you, most crypto platforms, they let you download it to Excel um, because they yeah. know, they know they don't want to do the 1099 game. They will have to eventually yeah, as part of the new rule, but yep. they either have like an API access or you can just down or put in the CSV and it'll calculate your taxes for you automatically. Yeah, I think with the new, I think Congress just passed this rule, right? With the budget, uh, mm-hmm. you, you're now, if you're an exchange, you have to provide uh, cost basis reporting, just like stockbrokers do. So it sucks yeah. for Coinbase, but great for great for us, you know, because we don't yeah, have to worry about it. Um, the good you thing about this tool oh, is said, that it, it does it for you. Coin track, coin track, it coin tracker. Because if you think about it, it knows if you can if you can trace a transaction back to its source. In theory, you should be you should have a full you yep. should have a full track of that because it's on the blockchain. So, and I don't know how these actually work. And maybe I'm thinking about like the accounting software of the future. But if you look at the TXN and you kind of go query the database, in theory, can't you know exactly what has happened, what the cost base was, all the activity that you sold just by looking at your address? And I think that's what it does. That's exactly how it does it. And this will get interesting is I bought something and I bought Bitcoin on Coinbase, sent it to Kraken, sold a little bit on Kraken. I think it's on Voyager now. I don't know why I moved it around so much. Ultimately, I found the yield and then I went there. But I'm curious to see if it picks up that cost basis when I use it this year. 
I will I will come up um, on the on the uh, the next podcast. But uh, but it's I highly recommend you should do, you're able to like download CSVs, just plug them all in, does it all yourself. Last year it took me ten minutes altogether, no, including my TurboTax stuff and just updating it. Like it was pretty much you know done. Um, I so, um, so. I need to use that coin tracker um when i first started again in 2017 i don't think it existed and in order for me what's that no chance <laughs> no chance right so like i have to start keeping track of my transactions on on a, on a spreadsheet and remember every time you switch a coin that's a taxable event every time you you uh change every time you send a coin to a different address you're paying a fee and every time you do that you're going to need to track which coins you're selling later on so what I've ended up doing was creating this ridiculous spreadsheet where I track every single coin that I have, where it's coming from, whether it's long-term gains, short-term gains, whether I switched it, how much did I switch, what's the taxable event. It's a nightmare. So it takes me you know, lo- a long, long time to just trade a coin. Now, I would try to probably plug in Coin Tracker, but at the same time, using services like ChangeDown, SwapSpace, you are, you're losing a lot of the... You, you can't plug those into you know, to, to the Coin Tracker system. So... I've kind of shot myself in the foot and I'm kind of forever doomed to uh, using the spreadsheet until I clear out all of the coins that I bought in the past four years. So um, there's no, with these new rules, there's no way that these services are going to be allowed. Very curious. Because part of the regulation is that KYC has to be on both ends where it's coming from and where it's going to. So, or like if you're sending it, both parties have to have it, or maybe it's just coming in, who knows? But like they have to have KYC. I don't know if these services are based in the U.S. Though that's the thing, you know. So if oh, they're, interesting. I don't know where they're based out of, and if they have to follow these rules. So we'll see what happens with them. I, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how it'd it goes. Be, it'd be fascinating because even I, I saw something that's saying, yeah, if they do this, like Coinbase is probably just going to leave the U.S. They're just going to have to. And it all started with like the yields and the rewards and the borrowing, but more to come there. And it's a big aspect of it. But this is this is an area that I know very. I know I understand the mining process. Um, you know, next how, topic. Why? Oh, next topic. Sorry, yep. mining. Uh, cool. Shanif has actually mined before. Um, doing it two, uh, you did it kind of two different ways. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. You bought the, yeah. Yep. So, so mining is fascinating. I understand mining how it works conceptually. Never really got into it. I wanted to, but salesperson, not exactly my expertise. So I, I tend to stay in my lane in a lot of ways, and this is a lane that I stayed in. Uh, but you know, talk to us a, a little bit about you know how you access mining as someone yeah. who's a little bit more technical, little bit more more technical than the average person, um, as well as you know the the really the the interesting business model. Uh, it sounds like it has yeah. a lot of demand. Yeah. So for those, just to recap, I think for those of you who may not have heard our first couple of podcasts, mining is basically the process of validating transactions. Once you validate a block of transactions and it's confirmed by other miners, you get a block reward. You get a certain amount of tokens for your work. Now, a miner is basically a node on the, on the system. It's a computer uh, or a very large server that's running software to validate a transaction. And so you can actually run mining software on your own devices. Terrible idea if you want to do it, but you can do it. And um, you can't really do this for Bitcoin anymore because it's gotten... The people are now actually building hardware that's so specialized specifically for Bitcoin. It's not used for anything else. I believe these are called ASICs, um, application-specific integrated circuits. You can start to use your own sort of computers, though, for other chains. Um, it, depending on what you've got, you might be able to do this for Ether, 
probably not anymore, but if you have a GPU, you can get a little bit per, every day. But there are other tools, uh, sorry, other blockchains like Monero, where if you mine on your computer, you're good to go. So I did I, I did a couple of things. I tried to download mining software, <clears throat> excuse me, on a computer where I had a GPU. So GPUs, a special sort of piece of hardware that makes it faster for you to mine. It's really not even meant for mining. It's meant for graphics, but works pretty well. And so I got, you know, I had this big laptop, big desktop and, you know, it got a really nice GPU on it. I just left, uh, I, I ran it, ran Linux on it, which is an operating system. And I set up this tool called Kudo Miner, C-U-D-O. And I just let it run for a while just to see how much I could make. I think at my peak, I was making uh, like, I don't know, point, I don't want to speak incorrectly, but 0.1 ether per month or something like that. So, you know, not insignificant. It was probably, I was probably paying more in electricity than I was making from the ether because I live in New York City. Um, but I was just trying to trying to do it when ether was really skyrocketing and it was on a tear. Um, now, eventually what happened was this software, this Kudo Miner software, which I downloaded, was no longer able to, to detect my GPU. So it started mining on my CPU, which was a gigantic waste of time. So I stopped using the Kudo Miner software, but for a while, while it was working on my GPU, it was going great. I know a lot of people do this, like they build their own sort of GPU mining tools and they run them at home just because it's fun for them and they want to help support the distribution of the network and you know keep things kind of decentralized. So that's how you do it at home. You just download software, you configure it, you have to set up an address where you want your mining your mining tokens to go. Um, kind of a pain in the ass, really, because you have to set up a lot of stuff, but kind of interesting to do. Uh, any any thoughts on mining at home, James, before I jump into the next I'd one? I would love to mine it. I, I've thought about it a million times. If you look at my search history, you know, they always say, like, you find a lot, a lot about people that they Google at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. What I Google at 2 a.m. is how do I build a mining rig that is energy efficient? Um, and, you know, the crazy thing is, this is just, I feel like there would be a lot more mining in New York. Well, I guess you, you can't mine in New York anymore. That was actually a law. They banned mining altogether. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. In upstate New York, they wanted to build it off like hydropower off the creek. Or, you know, I think the Hudson River. And they said no. But um, but it's just not profitable. Because it's so, no, it's so power. unprofitable. Yeah. It's such a bad idea to do it at home. Like, just go out and buy it, you know, on the exchange. Uh, but it's uh, cool to do. It's cool to do if you're like a hobbyist and you want to you want to help contribute to the decentralization. These miners um, make a lot of money though. A lot. They, did, they went they, they went public and their revenue is pretty impressive. If you can find a, a good energy efficient place to be where it doesn't cost you a lot of electricity, you're making bank. You know, I mean, especially with the prices at, at what they are today. Now, yeah. I think proof of work might screw all these people out of a business though. So let's see what happens. Well, we'll um, see. We'll see. But to finish off kind of this podcast, the alternative to mining at home is to buying space on a, you know, cloud-based server that's specialized for mining. And so there's not a lot of these. You can obviously rent AWS, you know, uh, software or sorry, rent AWS space and set up your own tools. But there are specialized, as James was mentioning, specialized companies that help you mine. The one I tried using was Genesis Cloud Miner. These are called cloud, cloud miners. And you know you make a little bit, you know every every day, every day that they're running. So you rent out space for a certain amount of time. I think I rented mine out for about a year, for twelve months. And um, every day these these servers are just up and running. Every day you make a little bit of um, of money, and then you consolidate it all at the end and send it over. So I've been running mine for about a year now. I've I've mined on the cloud 0.3 ether, so it's like 
not much to write home about. I think I paid a thousand dollars to rent the server out. So it's like worth about 11 or 1200 now. So not super profitable, but you know, you do this at scale and you do this with specialized hardware, you can do a decent amount of business doing, uh, doing cloud mining. So interesting thing yeah. for, for hobbyists to look into. Very interesting. Probably a good business. Like it's a, it's an alternative, alternative income stream, passive income in a way, you know, it's another yeah, way to yeah. get access to passive income. More volatile passive income because it's still dependent on you know the currency. But if you look at it, uh, you know I own Bitcoin, and you know this recent downturn we've been seeing, Bitcoin isn't down nearly as much as some of the other coins are. You know you're seeing a fifty percent haircut, you know again, but that's the world of all coins. So we'll see. But uh, I've always found mining interesting. But you know I know with because uh, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, once you know all the rewards are done from Bitcoin, you know it'll be fascinating because the whole system has to change. And in a way, you have to, instead of them mining, it's going to be, I guess, born to the buyer and the seller. I, I don't know if it's been you know talked about yet. I imagine it's something in the white paper, but uh, that'll be an interesting topic in and of itself, because that's that's when it's, uh, in a way, Bitcoin has graduated and is no longer, yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's no, there's no more awards to be mined for. But that's a, that's in the future, a lot more to learn in the meantime, but, um, you know, everyone, Really appreciate you all talking with us today. I know this was more of a uh, a need to do because ultimately the tools, the infrastructure that you use are very important um, because this is funds that you do not want to lose. And always like, don't risk anything that you are not comfortable losing. Um, some of us have more comfort losing more than others as a percentage of their uh, assets, but that doesn't mean everyone should do the same. So always be uh, do your due diligence. Um, but we really appreciate you all joining. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, back to our weekly schedule. We'll be pumping these out with interesting topics. Let us know what we can do uh, to improve, uh, what topics you want to cover. I know there's a lot happening, so we always want to see top of mind. Shanif, anything from you uh, before we let everyone go today? Check, check us out on DeFi's.com. And we're also building our own sort of mini uh, you know, community on um, oh, what's... Discord. Discord, gosh, it Blank is active. It is active. So we talk a little bit. You know, we're we're going to moderate it. We don't want any trolls, but it's a good place for you guys to start talking about what you're doing. So check us out. Um, keep in touch. Let us know if there's anything that you guys are curious about. We've had a couple of folks actually ask us to talk about certain topics and ask us to clarify the coins that we've mentioned and ask us to clarify what we were talking about. So we love feedback. Please, you know, please get in touch if there's anything you guys want to talk about. We'll go from there. Super excited. This is going to be a lot of fun, folks. We're, you know, we're getting up there in our podcast now. Uh, we were originally going to publish them all at 10. We decided to publish them all sooner. So excited to grow with you all. Let us know how we can improve. And we will talk with you next week. Thanks, folks. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, James. Talk to you Thanks all soon. You. Bye.